Welcome back to the Emissions Uncovered podcast. My name is Dominic. I'm joined by my other co-hosts, Michael and Nee. And this week, we're going to be talking about AP tests. Now, we're recording this the first day of AP testing of 2019. It's been a fantastic day. You know, two full AP tests for me. I'm so tired, but there's more to come. So this is going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Speak for yourself, Dominic. Dominic sounds very convincing right now. I have a week of final. I have two <laughs> weeks of finals left. Okay, so speak for yourself. Now we've already done an episode on how to get a five on your AP test. So this episode is going to be more fun in that we're going to just kind of talk about why we take AP tests and how useful they actually are in college. And you'll find that it's pretty circumstantial to your college, but I think in general you'll find a pretty good. Uh, argument built here and again as always please feel free to join in on the discussion in the comments section on the admissionsuncovered.com website or throw us a dm on instagram at admissions.uncovered i manage the instagram page so you'll be talking to me at admissions.uncovered hit me up sometimes i like to jump in there and just read what michael is saying it's kind of (laughs) creepy i also have personal conversations there so it's doubly weird (laughs) <laughs> don't hold it on the collective instagram all right all right all right yeah. i know what to say Michael. all right okay all right so to start things off right what are ap tests advertised as the way i always see them advertised by college board and everybody else right give us your 90 dollars for this test i think it's 92 now yes and you can get college credit lies Th- that's pretty much pretty much what i see now like when you look at the different schools some of them I don't know. When I was looking at it, at some schools, I can go in as like a junior. At other schools, they don't take anything. So it really depends on the school. I think if you are a senior, obviously just look at your school. If you're a junior applying to your different schools, I would. I don't think it's too big of a factor to take into account uh, because if you really like a school, I think you should just go there and you'll be fine taking your introductory classes. And if it is a school that does not take AP credits, the likelihood is that it's going to be a very prestigious school and you'll probably get a better education than you did in your freshman year human geography class. Hey, don't dog on human geography. I had a great time <laughs> in that class. Oh, gosh. Memories. No, I honestly love HGAP. No, don't, don't, don't dog on HGAP. <laughs> That's my AP class. Okay. Okay, Michael. Yeah, but definitely with what Dominic was saying, some schools will give you more credit for your AP test than others. So generally, I think it applies to um, most state schools. You'll tend to get more credit if you decide to go there. Like, for example, I know a lot of people from my school are going to um, the University of Texas at Dallas. And some of them will be entering like just a few hours shy of being a sophomore because they get so much credit, whether it be from like calculus or their history classes or their English classes. So oftentimes at state schools, I would say they take up to like 80% of the um, AP test that you do take, given that usually like you get a three, four or five. It just kind of depends uh, maybe like on your major. Mm-hmm. And th- the thing that's really useful about like this, these AP credits are that like not only do you get to get out of a bunch of your in- introductory classes, but this is also basically saving you a bunch of money because if you enter as a sophomore and say you have a scholarship or something that covers 
I don't know, four years. So if you go in as a sophomore, maybe it can transfer over and also cover your um, master's or something like that. So definitely it transfers mm-hmm. between getting out of these classes because basically every class, if you think about it, costs a certain amount of money for a certain number of credit hours. And if you take them in high school where it's free, if you go to a school like ours where they'll pay for all of your AP tests, then you're basically um, saving your parents a whole lot of money. So I have a friend kind of in that dream scenario about being able to go into the master's. Some schools will uh, give you a five-year scholarship. And with the AP credit, along with the five-year scholarship, they have it worked out to where they can do their undergrad and their master's degree in five years wow. under that five-year scholarship. So the the, the power of the, the AP credits at some of these schools is really amazing to where it can let you do stuff where otherwise you would be either paying for your own master's degree or you would not be able to get all that course credit. What school? Uh, OU. Got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so to to take a step back real quick for our younger listeners. So the way AP tests are scored is that, you know, you, you get your raw score based on how much, how many questions you get right and maybe what your FRQs are. And that breaks down based on a weird formula the College Board uses for a curve into five different scores. One, two, three, four, and five. The college board says three is qualifying, and then four is like a little bit above qualifying, and five is like super <laughs> qualified. Extremely well qualified. Extremely well qualified, whatever the language they use is, but it's basically what I said. They just like make it sound nicer, hopefully. But the college board says that three is a qualifying score, but at a lot of schools, that actually isn't the case. So, I mean, so like, for example, Nee's example about the friends going to UTD and I'm guessing Dominic's example about OU, those schools I do think will take threes. But at maybe like higher ranked institutions, they're going to expect fours, maybe even fives. And so it mm-hmm. it's so dependent on the school. And so, you know, even if you get a five on some tests at some schools, sometimes it's not even going to matter. So, you know, UTD and OU are clearly great examples of where people with AP tests ha- are doing great. But personally speaking, I have I took a lot of AP tests, got a not a lot, but, you know, a fair, a decent amount of fives. And they didn't do anything for me here. So... I guess it's all, like Dominic said at the beginning, it's very, very dependent on the college you end up going to. Mm-hmm. Also, some of these schools have really strange policies. I know I was looking at, at Harvard's a long time ago where you have to have like 18 course hours for any of it to actually count toward hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, at Boston College, um, you have to have, so y- you can get rid of um, like their core curriculum requirements with the APs. But in order for the for any of the hours to actually kind of as hours instead of just letting you take electives to fulfill those hours, you have to have 24 hours of credit, which is basically an entire year of college credit from those AP tests, which is really difficult to do. I know that coming from where we went to high school, I was fortunate enough to be able to take that many AP classes, but that was the combination of... Man, how many AP tests have we taken? Like 18? Too many. Over the course of high school or something. And I was only three hours above the 24. So it's... Some of these schools, it's really hard to get credit. But if you do, then you are set Mm -hmm. up. And just like in my case, I was looking at like Dartmouth's, um, like the credit I would get before I was taking these tests. I was like, all right, do I actually get credit for any of these? And generally, if you, if like looking at, 
um, their website, I would usually have to get a four or a five, um, at least a four in all of them to kind of get exemption and basically place out of a class. So say like for Calculus BC, I would get credit for say here it's like Math 3 and Math 8 and I would be placed into a higher math. And I think specifically for Dartmouth, I don't know, like their website's kind of fuzzy, but it's not so much as like getting credit towards like your hours. Like, you know, a lot of schools, will, I think in my case, you need 36 hours to um, graduate and like one class is one hour. So you really don't get credit that's like calculated into those hours. But what they do is like they'll place you into a higher class or um, I'm able to get some of my prereqs out of the way so I can take classes that are more advanced and like working towards my major. So even if you, if that school specifically won't let you um, get like credit hours and like unlike UTD where you can go in as a sophomore, oftentimes you'll be able to um, either take a test or be placed into higher and more advanced classes. So like the benefits of those classes is that you're gonna have like smaller classes because like you know all the intro classes they're anywhere from like 100 to what like 300 students and then you can also take like more interesting classes because I assume like bio 101 isn't the most interesting class ever also from what I've heard those big classes like it's it, it might be even harder to get a good GPA from because those big classes are possibly graded on a curve and then you're working against all those other kids so you want to be in those smaller classes not only are you going to get better connections with your teachers which if you're looking at continuing education beyond beyond uh college it's going to be a much better rec letter than your 300 person intro to chemistry class but also i think you're just going to have a better college experience if you're in that that close group of peers than crammed into a lecture hall but I do want to make the point that before you just skip out of intro classes, you should consider whether you've actually retained anything from the AP classes and the AP tests. So, you know, for instance, if you somehow managed to get, for example, like a three on Calculus BC, and that at your school passes you out of Calculus 1 and 2, but you need to take Calculus 3, think Ooh. for a little bit before you do that jump. Because if you enter Calculus 3 without knowing how to take an integral yes, or how Michael. to tell us, tell us how hard that course. Was. How did, okay. All right. I was, I was going to that sad. <laughs> this story. man had the genius idea. What, what are you going to do, Michael? You did first semester of college, mm-hmm. Calc three and Calc four yes. in one yes, semester. Yes, we were talking about this. God, this yes. guy, let me, let me tell you about insanity. This man right here. Oh my. Something I else. was knocked. Don't be like, yes, Michael. I was, I was knocked down to my feet. I thought I would be challenged and, I was very much challenged. (laughs) And the other thing was that I should have known going in because everybody else in that (laughs) class had already taken multivariate calculus in high school. Everybody I sat next to was like, yeah, we already did this in high school. We're just doing this because we couldn't pass out of it. It's so easy. How do they take multivariable calculus in high school? Rich kids. Okay. Well, also, I mean, that's yeah, my yeah, answer yeah, yeah. to everything. Yeah. That's my answer to everything. But also, there are some public schools that like send you to community college, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Also, our our high school situation mm-hmm. is not the most like pushing to take multivariable yeah. calculus. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael, yeah, Michael does make a good point because okay, the AP test, there's, it's weird like. 
there was definitely a curve and like some I don't know for some tests honestly you could literally get only like 40% maybe even less of the test right and still pass so definitely like passing the test I don't think super like correlates is a good indicator of telling you like how much you actually know about the thing because like a lot of times there's curves if the test is harder you can get there's a really low cutoff to pass and all that so definitely be sure that you like know what you're doing before you like dive into a very advanced class yeah i mean you know there's all these like online ap score calculators the one i used was ap pass and i was just fiddling with the numbers one day to see how many questions i could miss to get a five on calc bc and it basically turned out that i could miss 75 percent of the bc only material and still get a five yeah it, as long as i got I all think the for AB bc correct. it's like 55 percent of the raw points to get a five it's some of these just ridiculous are i don't know also like it doesn't even create a bell curve i think like 40 percent of kids it, it's like an inverted bell curve like 40 percent of kids are in like the four or five and then 40 another 40 percent are in the one two it is crazy i don't know i don't know what happened okay so now <sighs> it's just broken now it's michael conspiracy time all right Oh, no. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so College Board exists because schools encourage their students to pay the money to take tests, which only happens because colleges accept scores that students get. So College Board has an incentive to make sure students pass because if they had significant number of students that failed, students wouldn't take the test and colleges wouldn't take the scores. But it also has to be prestigious enough to where it actually shows that you did well in the class. Wow. To where colleges would want to take them. It's a, it's a fine balance. You know, they got to really run the numbers. I don't know if that's I don't know <laughs> if that's actually true or not. So I, I, I wonder if, and this goes back to, I think, discussions we've had about the role of education as whether it's actually improving your human capital, like making you smarter, or just as a signal to employers that you know how to follow directions. Um, like how much of the value of an AP test is just to say, like, we've just like declared AP tests as the determiner of intelligence and we haven't really like asked ourselves whether that's true or not. I think it's, uh, like a positive feedback loop that if you don't stop and reflect, is just going to keep on going and going where college board just takes all the money out of the system. All right. Conspiracy theory over. Yeah, I think another thing we skipped over about AP tests is, and at least when I was signing up for AP classes, specifically junior year, this is like the end of sophomore year, you know, end of sophomore year, Dominic was not thinking about college credit. College seems so far away. <laughs> end of senior year, Dominic, also, <laughs> college seems so far away. <laughs> but that's a different point. But I think that a lot of it comes from that uh, that GPA boost too, right? Like, that's an entire yeah, yeah, that's true. point up. It's on a 5.0 scale. Like, a 90 in that class is the same as, as the 100. Oh, for sure. Like, I was... that My free 100 in gym was not as good as my, like, 91 <laughs> in some other class. Like, it, it's, it, it's definitely a big help to that GPA. And the problem is all these other kids are competing for the GPA, and then you just, like, keep trying to outdo the other ones. You gotta take more and more AP tests. Yeah. Then you figure out you're taking eight APs, and then you just, oh. It's just this mad race to take more APs, despite the fact that I don't know if that actually improves 
you know, the education you're getting in high school. Because you could imagine a course where the teacher just kind of teaches history without following the set guidelines of the college board, right? So this is this is kind of the model they follow at a lot of big fancy private schools. They've just completely don't care about teaching to the AP test and the kids just kind of like take the APs at the end and just see how it goes. What I will say, at least in my situation for APs, it's working out real nice. Like, I think it just, obviously there's some problems with APs, but in the end, it's working out real nice for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the question of whether APs are good for public education is probably like a separate topic that we should do some research about. Before yeah. We, we start kind of like speculating. <laughs> um, Trash about my, college board. Okay, I mean, like, obviously, my, my, my biases are are against you know the type of you know very hard and fast curriculum set by the College Board, but but I do think we can do some more research and be more smart about it. But as a practical note for all y'all kiddos thinking about college admissions, the other thing that helps is that I'm pretty sure it just it, I'm not I'm not pretty sure it it does look, look better on college yeah. applications to have lots of AP tests especially if you're applying to kind of like your 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 lower your lower tier middle tier schools that actually give a lot of college credit for having mm-hmm. AP tests it's it's so funny mm-hmm. though like going to some of the fly-ins and like um, meeting some students it's really funny when you see a student try to flex based on how many APs they're taking and they're like <laughs> bro, I'm taking five APs this year, or like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm about to take all these tests. I'm taking so many APs, blah, blah, blah. And then, I don't know, Dominic, you've, I don't know if you've, like, um, experienced this, but then you're like, yeah, um, I'm taking, like, uh, eight APs, but, you know, nothing <laughs> <laughs> nothing crazy. And they're like, what, what? Like, why so many? It's just because, like, our school, yeah. there is no regular English class. Like, you take the AP class. AP class and like five of our required classes are APs, but um, and then that one kid jumps out from the back saying, "I'm yeah." Nine. But it's just really funny how just or like AP or um IB classes. I don't know much about like IB and like the IB program, but that's also um another thing. If your school runs on that scale, that um colleges will also give credit for. But definitely, I think taking AP classes just like on the pure academic side for college applications, it definitely shows kind of like a higher um, level of rigor and that like you're challenging yourself because I know a lot of times colleges will be like, okay, so um, we'll assess your kind of like your transcript based on the school you go to. So like, of course, some schools offer more AP courses um, than others. Some schools only offer a few. So they'll look at the courses that your school does offer and then kind of look at the classes that you've decided to take and to see if like you've challenged yourself by taking the like the hardest classes that are offered at your school although actually not although uh i'm i'm kind of like completely in agreement i'm just thinking back to times when i've asked college admissions officers you know at fairs or whatever about their thoughts on ap's and there's definitely a trend much more towards valuing valuing a valuing APs more than things like the SAT and the ACT because their claim is that the AP test kind of tests your subject matter Mm -hmm. skills, which you get from school, which everybody has, versus SAT and ACT, which can be the product of outside prep, which not everybody has, i.e. people who don't have that much money, for instance. And so 
there's also and, and I I also remember talking to a Penn admissions officer about how they're making distinctions for students applying to the Wharton School of Business. And one thing they made very clear was that you basically needed a good score on a Calc AP test as one of the bare bone minimums of getting into Wharton. Did not help. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. Someone's a little salty. <laughs> salts. The salts. Just a little bit. Yeah, but it's all good. you know it's a baseline and it's not – if they took in everybody that got a five on Calc AB, then yeah. Wharton would be a I million say, people. You know, we've been doing this uh, this podcast for a year pretty much, and I still don't think I understand this college admissions process. You know, when we say it is the, the black box, it truly is yeah. the college admissions black box. This process is crazy. It really is. I mean – it's, it goes back to the thing I always say, right? This is an art, not a science. There's no calculator that you can plug yourself into and it'll say, do you get in or do you get out? Because it's so human. It's humans reading your applications. It's humans judging you. It's it's a group of humans ultimately making the final decision. It's it's not – and that's why I think like in our reflection episode, I, I tried to say this, which is just like it's not actually a judgment on you. It's 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 – it, I mean, it is a judgment on you, but it's also the a judgment that's the product of so much kind of emotions and just like human BS. Side tangent, but yeah. <laughs> so we kind of talked about in general getting credit for your a- AP test, but a lot of times I think most schools will tend to give credit um, especially for foreign language AP tests, even if they um, don't often offer credit for a lot of other tests. So specifically, I know a lot of people listening probably have taken either either like the Spanish um, language or literature AP or maybe like the French AP. And usually if you get a four um, or a five on these tests, you can get exemption from like your foreign language requirement, which a lot of schools have. I know Dartmouth requires um, me to have like three terms of foreign language credit. I don't know how much it is for Columbia, but a lot of schools will have um, that requirement. And a lot of students from high school, they'll take like say Spanish, um, one, two, and three, take the AP, and then they um, have fulfilled their language requirement. And then they can go, I don't know, study abroad um, somewhere like after that, because I know for Dartmouth, for you to be able to go study abroad, you actually have to be in like the equivalent of Spanish three or something like that. So if you're coming in without any like Spanish credit, then you're going to have to take at least um, one or two terms being in that class before you can actually go study abroad. But if you already have that credit going in, you can go study abroad from your like first semester or something like that. Yeah, and it is true that having the APs, again, especially for foreign language credits, can be helpful for passing out of the test. Although I will say, if you had a bad experience with high school language classes and you just are like, oh, it's just learning a foreign language is so hard and I can't do it. I, I do think that college language classes are different than high school language classes. Because most of the time, college language classes are going to end up being smaller than high school language classes, at least in, like, the public school to private school, uh, like, experience. 
And the other thing is that the curriculum most colleges use is so much better than the high school curriculum <laughs> because the high school curriculum just preps you for the test, right? To memorize it just teaches a bunch you... of vocab and like you exactly. can't even actually form a sentence. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's just so many more opportunities to do real practice in college. So most colleges have a language resource center where you can literally just go in and talk to someone who's natively speaking that language and just have a conversation with them. And that's not something you really have in high school unless you really like push your teacher to do it. So hold on, like uh, similar to my statement about, you know, calculus and if you get a three, you might want to hold off. Even if you pass out of your foreign language credit, just hold off a minute because if you actually want to learn the language then college is a great time to do it. Now, if you heard that little pitch by Michael and you still are determined not to take language classes in college like me, Mm. but you still have to, I would also recommend looking at the, uh, the subject test score in a language that you have to get to achieve, uh, the, the level to test out of the, the language requirement. Uh, for example, in my situation, I would either need a three on the Spanish test of the AP test or a 550 on the subject test. Wait, only in a 550? Opinion, yeah, in my opinion, I think the 550 is easier. Wait, really? Also, yeah, also I didn't have to take the entire year of AP Spanish. So I'm going to be my goal is to get that 550 and not take language in college. And I will be putting off that language until I get that 550 until like senior year when I have to. Okay. But I am, I've never been more we had this motivated question. to get a score Michael, on the test can you, in my life. Can you actually take a subject test if you're in college? Like, that's no. not a thing. Yeah, you can. Really? I figured it out. You can. Yeah. Are you sure? Dominic. You definitely can. You can take subject tests while you're in but college. But why don't you take it now? I am. Oh, okay. Oh, but in case But it if I go. don't get the 550. Wait, are you taking like, it in June? It. Okay, you're going to get 550. Yeah, I'm going to take it in June. I don't know, Michael. I'm pretty bad at Spanish. Is it the Spanish with listening, or is it just... No, it's only in November. Okay. It's just the... Regular Spanish language mm-hmm. test? Yeah. That's interesting that the score is so low. See, like, I'm kind generally, of... Generally, the rule you yeah. get is 700, 700 or above is good for See, I'm kind of tests. conflicted about, <laughs> like, opting out of um, my foreign language, because I... Okay, I was, like, for a hot second, going to sign up for the Spanish test that's like what is it like june 1st or something and then study for like Come study for it, like bro. two weeks we got room. but then i was like <laughs> yes, i ma'am. don't want to pay for a prep study book buddy. um pay for the test and then i realized dartmouth they have their own study with dominic yeah that oh big turn off but then you're getting out of like what is it three well hold... all right hold, hold up <laughs> let me continue this no but then i looked on dartmouth's website and they're like oh we have our own um language placement test and it can range anywhere from 20 minutes to 40 minutes and i was like hold up what and then i was like okay whatever i'll just take that in august and if i can get out of honestly like i would be chill getting out of one because i feel like maybe the past three years i've learned some sort of spanish that can get me out of spanish one and then i actually want to have like a good legit foundation in spanish because like it's very useful I think it's a really useful language to know, but like getting out of one would be pretty chill. So, blah blah blah. Again, if you don't want to take yeah, a language, Dominic in college, and Spanish don't go together. Join the gang at all. 
You know, honestly, it wasn't bad. I just, I just feel traumatized. I don't know why. It really wasn't that terrible. Oh. I just, I think back to Spanish you, you and there were, were not many positive memories. By yeah, it was class. pretty bad. I just, I don't know why. I just, foreign language. You know, like English, it's just so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, we can't do this. We can't become English supremacist here. No. We definitely are. You definitely are. I'm not. Wait, Michael, are you taking a language this year? Yeah, I'm taking Chinese. You still oh. doing Mandarin? Yeah, yeah, bro. Mandarin, yeah. Lame. Did you say Mandarin is lame? Lame. How? Ooh. Oh, lame. are we getting Ooh. into language wars? Lame. I'm just gonna let them hash this because out because I think I'm gonna win over. Man, I'm not in the middle of something. This is beautiful. Let me grab some popcorn. Me and my language hating viewers oh my will just sit on the sidelines. All right, take me on. We me. All know, Tell me why Chinese isn't beautiful. Um, I don't know. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Uh huh. We all know it's English, then Vietnamese, then Spanish. Uh, <laughs> nah. Why? Are, no. Why? Are we, mm, I guess Chinese is so pretty. Just like look at Chinese characters. Sure. Not the ones I write, but the one people good at Chinese yeah. write. The thing about Chinese is, I feel like. If you're just, like, starting off brand new, because, like, well, Michael, you probably knew some before, right? Oh, Hopefully. Sure. Okay, yeah. good. No, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like, people like that were deciding kind of, like, between Spanish and, like, Mandarin, I feel like you would have a much better chance of becoming fluent or, like, relatively fluent in Spanish than Mandarin. That's true. Like, obviously, obviously. Chinese, Chinese is a very difficult mm-hmm. language. And, in fact... I think there's like a State Department critical language survey that ranks Chinese, Russian, and Arabic as the three hardest yeah. languages. Because like a lot of people are like, okay, now like which languages for business and all that. And I'm like, so of course like Mandarin's up there and blah, blah, blah. But then like when you think yeah. about it, what are your chances of actually becoming fluent enough in Mandarin that you can actually like conduct like business and all that? Like it's very difficult. It's definitely doable if you're like determined and try but i definitely think you know it's gonna be hard i mean it also speaks to how language classes are conducted and i think coming from a high school language class perspective we're like oh there's no way we can get fluent in language but again like i really do think most college language classes are so much better than high school language classes so i don't know if you want to learn a language just try it out yeah my spanish classes rough just multi- just memorizing vocab words and then i think in college i don't know a lot of i've heard a few people talk about they have this thing where it's like called drill where they basically it's like you in a class in a group of small people and like they just like fire questions at you and you have to answer in that language and just kind of honestly i think it's really important like speaking skills and like because i feel like a lot of times dominic is dominic is triggered yeah. right now he's like oh no that, oh hang on that would be traumatizing i would yeah because okay i feel like a lot of times really you cannot. can understand like like through reading and like with like spanish for example kind of some words like being similar and you can kind of get an idea but then like actually forming a sentence is like i don't know really difficult so that was our spiel on language tests. I guess the TLDR is if you want to take a language class, you might not want to pass out of the AP. And I guess the even more general TLDR is 
think carefully before you just pass out of something, I think. Even if you can, just take a second and think. For sure. The other thing is that actually at Columbia, the intro to econ class is taught by Sunil Gulati, who's this famous professor who was like the president or chairperson of of um, whatever the soccer league is in Europe. Feet uh, starts with an F. What is it, Dominic? Talking about uh, FIFA, FIFA, that's FIFA. Not the league. FIFA. That's what it's called. That's, 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 every, the that's their organization. European. Oh, Michael, we really got to get you versed on sports. I know man. sports balls. You hit the balls into the this the 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 goals. Oh gosh! <laughs> Name ten sports, Michael. Basketball, badminton, ping badminton? pong, fencing. Did you say badminton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Badminton? Oh, no. What? Oh, oh can't even no. name two. No, I can keep... So, okay, badminton, right? No. <laughs> Not badminton. What? Well, it's a bad sport. <laughs> oh, one of, our fle- one of our friends was flexing on how, like, he's being taught badminton by one of the top players from India, so... Don't be hating on the what sport. What a flex. All right, all right. Well, squash is another sport. Golf. That's five. Fencing. Six. You already did oh, that. Oh, uh, football. Duh. Which one? Uh, both. I, I gave you two. <laughs> both. Um, rowing. Spell both of them. Rowing. <laughs> Soccer. S-O-C-C-E-R. No, that... Oh, my God. You can't have two soccers, Michael. It doesn't work like that. All right. Wrestling. Wrestling is another one. Archery. All right, all right. See, I made it to 10. In your face. I don't know how you came up with that list. I feel like those are just Summer Olympics sports. I will not comment on I that. I feel like your mom just makes you watch the Summer Olympics. She doesn't make me. I enjoy it. Like, swimming is cool. Oh, swimming. That's another sport. Ha. Huh. The list grows. You know, I can see that in some, like, weird way. Michael Phelps is your idol. Because you're so different. Did you know that my parents actually named me after Michael Phelps and Michael Jordan? I'm the biggest disappointment on this earth. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. I took AP tests instead. Man, this took a weird turn. It did. This is going to be a weird episode to edit. Have fun with that. All right, well, that was it for our podcast on AP tests, languages, sports, and miscellaneous meanderings. Uh, As usual, this was the Admissions Uncovered podcast. It's a college admissions podcast. It's also a podcast where we talk about other stuff, I guess. Um, So if you like the podcast, you know what to do. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Go to bit.ly slash aupodapple or go to your podcast app and search Admissions Uncovered and give us five stars. It really helps us, helps our egos, helps our ratings, helps everything and everyone. All right. Also, follow us on Instagram because I do a lot on Instagram and it makes me sad when Everything but play we sports. lose followers. I have played a sport in my life. I will have you know. Eating is not a sport. Which sport, Michael? It is a sport. <laughs> it is a sport. <laughs> All right. Also, I've played like soccer before. I'm Asian too. All right. Wait, which sports did you play, Michael? Soccer, basketball, 
Ping what about oh this word you called um, little Michael play Badminton? Oh my. Badminton. Badminton. <laughs> what? what is badminton? There's no G. Baddington? <laughs> what? Badminton? Badminton? Michael, when you edit this episode, you have to keep all of this in. Okay, fine. This is a crime against humanity if you shelter this from the public's. <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. Oh my god, this podcast Everybody let so... him know how it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a DM. DM uh, and I will appear in. It'd be so funny. DM a recording of you pronouncing it correctly. That would also Bad Mr. Gonzalez, I know you're still listening. Roast him up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we gotta wrap this up. Alright. Alright. All, all right. right. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening. Um This was a this was a little bit of a wacky episode, but if you like some wacky episode, keep listening to Admissions Uncovered because we're college admissions, but wacky. For the students, by the students. Mm-hmm.